Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, guys, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti um, with uh, uh, Josh Smith. Josh, we've we've uh, we've done a podcast with you before. Um, loved it so much. Wanted to do another one. I want to I want to tell you this: um, the statement that you made um, has really affected a number of guys. Um, really, so much more um, than than almost any comment that I have. Uh, people have said, and I, I don't know if you remember this line, but you said this. You said, um, "Go to work, work hard. Go home, work hard." Go to bed tired. I said that. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. No, that that's one of my uh, that's one of my things. I say that a lot. I, and I think. Oh, so uh, good. Yeah, it's 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 been helpful to me. Uh, you know, I think we may have talked about this a little bit, but I think guys often stay at work a long time because they feel like they get a lot of affirmation at work, but not at home, and so they avoid home. Yep. And man, sometimes the greatest thing you can do at home is just go home and love your wife and serve her and love your kids and play and wrestle and do the dishes and just. Go home and work. So that's a big it. thing for me. I love it. I love it. Well, good. So you're the author of the Titus 10 uh, Foundations for Godly Manhood. We talked about how this just became a passion of yours, mm. um, was just to kind of, you know, grab 10 guys, take them through the book of Titus, and you just kind of have done it over and over and over and over. Not that you're that old, but you've done it so many times. <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, and, and really have, have really been able to uh, challenge and equip men. Um, you've used these. Ten particular principles that you've pulled out of the book of Titus, um, and we we last time we kind of focused on the issue of dominion, um, mm-hmm. of really men taking um, responsibility uh, and ownership for what God has given us, um, you know, and uh, and not just for the world around us, right, but for our wives, uh, for our work, right, all those different things, and um, and so um, as I was just looking through the list of other things. Um, you know, I, I would love to talk about each one. I would actually love for guys just to, you know, get the book, read it, um, and look for other guys that they can walk through it with. Um, but uh, um, I just got off, um, I had another podcast before you, um, and I uh, was just talking to a good friend, a young uh, worship leader named Ty Olson. And uh, we were talking about the whole idea of, you know, men were made to worship, men were made mm-hmm. to sing. Um, and uh, and out of the list of things that you have on here, you have one that's called zeal. Mm. Uh, and I was like, you know what? That sounds pretty interesting. You mentioned that as, as kind of one of your favorite things. And so I was like, let's focus on that. Uh, what, is, what is that particular component um, of part of a godly man's character? What does it mean? Uh, where do we see that being challenged in the world today? And kind of how can our guys really uh, take back the um, the idea of being zealous for God, what does that look like? So where, um, where do you want to start? Yeah, I love it. I'm through. And I, I love that, that you kind of segued into, in, from, from worship ministry, because one of the comments I make in my book is when I think about the zeal of Jesus and the passion of Jesus, and then I look out on my congregation and I see guys with one hand in one pocket, a coffee in the mm. other, and mm. we're singing and they're doing nothing. It just about drives me crazy. So when I used to do a lot of men's retreats and I still do a few a year, I used to always tell the guys, guys, your kids need to see you singing singing and sing. This is a big deal. Even if you can't sing, your kids do not need to sit there uh, watching you, uh, 
you know, with mouth closed while mom sings. Well, uh, but what you said was so important. You said you didn't say your kids need to hear you singing. You said your kids need to see you singing. Yeah. Right. And and I think it's just a, you know we we it's that idea of you're modeling uh, for people around you, especially your own children. You're modeling um, what is important. Um, and and I think you know and, and I you know when I mentioned this to Ty is like you know we'll take our kids to a football game. We'll dress up in our favorite team colors. We'll scream and yell at the top of our lungs um, over right a, a team and a game that that you know matters very little in the grand scheme of you know eternal things <laughs> yeah. actually matters very little in the grand yeah. scheme of almost anything right but we don't mind our kids seeing us um you know being zealous for something that's very temporary um but yet we 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 hold back and we you know refrain from being zealous for things that really are significant and important so you may say well you know hey Josh I don't have a good voice and it's like well nobody asked you uh, to sing well um, but we have asked you, right, to um, to put into perspective, right, let other people see what's important to you. Yeah. Uh, and the way that you act and the way that you carry yourself, right, is a representation of what you think is important. So yeah, one of the most important things a man can do on a Sunday morning is he brings his Bible. He <laughs> brings a notebook. He sings. He takes notes. And he just acts like he cares and he's engaged. His kids are yeah. watching. That. And that that is something. I mean, it's just a passion for me. I, I wrote this book really um, to develop men that had that kind of zeal. And I, and I get that idea from Titus. I mean, um, Titus, uh, tells us that God's desire for us and is to be a people's zealous for good works. So that's the kind of people that God wants to create a zealous people. But as I started to think about that word, I mean, I noticed that in Titus and I thought, well, what, what does that mean to be zealous uh, for good works? And, uh, I, I began to think about just the ministry and life of Jesus and, you know, I think there's a lot of things when you open up the Gospels are not surprising. We're not surprised when Jesus walks on water. We're not surprised when he feeds the multitude. We're not surprised when he healed someone because this is just what he's supposed to do. And we expect that. But one of the things that really surprises us um, in John chapter two is when Jesus doesn't just do this, but he, he, he looks at what's happening in the temple. He leaves. He carefully crafts a whip. And he brings the whip back into the temple and overthrows the table. So this was not like just spontaneous. He thought this through and did this. That's surprising. And and most scholars will tell you he probably did it twice. Uh, once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end of his ministry. I believe that. Um, this is a big deal and dramatic. I mean, walks into the temple overthrowing tables. And it says that when the disciples reflected on this, they quoted Psalm 69.9, where it says, zeal for the house of the Lord consumes me. So in that moment, something came over Jesus. I mean, like came over him. Well, the disciples tell us what it was. It was zeal. Jesus was a physical manifestation of Psalm 69, 9, when zeal consumes me. Yep. And uh, that's why Titus 2, 11 through 14, this great gospel passage says that God has created a people for himself and he wants them to be zealous. And so I, I want to see zealous men. Um, and so what is, you know, what does that mean? Well, I think kind of simply put, um, zealous really has three, zeal has three parts to it. It's kind of like an equation. Okay. Uh, the first part of zeal is knowledge. Zeal starts with knowledge. And that's because Romans 10, uh, one through two, uh, Paul talks about that there are the Jews that have a zeal, but not in accordance with knowledge. Mm. Now, Dan, we've known people that are zealous about things, but it wasn't according to knowledge. Maybe they weren't <laughs> right, but they were just zealous. 
And so zeal has to be has to be rooted and grounded in in knowledge. Uh, knowledge is the foundation for godly zeal. So what overcame Jesus is his understanding of what the temple was supposed to be, and then seeing what the temple was not. And I think um, sometimes we kind of pit maybe knowledge against zeal. There's there's passionate guys and then guys that know a lot. Well, right before this chapter in the book is a chapter on doctrine. So I want to say that doctrine matters. And the times that I've been most zealous for the Lord is the times that I've been diving the deepest in the things of the Lord. I mean, I'm sure you that resonates with you. Like as yeah. I'm learning things about the Lord and I'm diving deeper, I get more zealous about the Lord. Um, so it's rooted and grounded in knowledge is the first thing. But then it also uh, combines knowledge with passion. Um, so Romans 12, 11 says that we should be fervent in our zeal. Uh, that word fervent means boiling. So zeal really has strong feelings. It has deep emotions and intensity. It's in your spirit. It kind of takes over. It's, it's, it's the idea that someone would say that guy's on fire, right? So there, there's, he's boiling, you know. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, Jesus, when he saw what was happening in the temple, he didn't go away and prepare a sermon. He went away and got a whip and got angry and intense and <laughs> overthrew some tables. And I just think what was happening inside of his soul is, man, there's just this deep passion that just came over him. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think of um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's, you know, when I go Old Testament, I love um, the blood and guts of the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like big things happen, you know, um, you know, God, God comes out in, in, you know, large, you know, color uh, in the Old Testament. Um, in the in the book of Numbers, um, there is a time when the nation of Israel um, has been distracted um, mm. by things, right? Um, they're engaging in sin. Um, you know, and and there's a young man named Phineas, right? And and you know, Numbers chapter 25, it says, when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, so they're setting you up, saying, you know, this guy knows the Lord and he knows the law, and when he sees the people of Israel engaging in actions that are not God honoring, right? And it's the same thing, right? It's you know what what you said about Jesus saw it, he went away, <laughs> he got prepared. It says, when he saw it, he rose, he left the congregation. And took a spear in his hand, right? And then he went to kill, you know, killed two people that were engaging in something, right? But I love it says, you know, in my Bible says, you know, the, the zeal of Phineas, mm. right? And and God was actually talking and saying, hey, um, you know, that that Phineas guy, right? That's the kind of guy I want in Israel, um, you know, a guy who stands up, he sees something, and he takes action. Yeah, you know, he doesn't just go and, as you said, right, prepare a sermon, even though we need people and, and godly men to, to have the zeal in the pulpit to take the word of God and deliver it. Um, but there are times when that zeal, right, that knowledge and that passion combined move you to action um, yeah. to say, hey, there's something that has to be done. So yeah. what what's the third part of zeal? Well, it's 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 action. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I think seeing this equation is important because I want guys to understand it's got to be rooted in knowledge. I got to know the Lord. I got to be passionate about what is right, not just passionate. Then I have to let the word of God affect me. Like I, I need my soul to be stirred up. And then it always manifests itself in action. I get that from Romans 12, 11, uh, where it says, be fervent in zeal and serve the Lord. And then Titus 2, 14, be zealous for good works. Mm -hmm. So zeal moves and zeal serves. Zeal, I kind of say, is unable to stand still. Um and um, I, I think we want to make sure we're doing the right kind of work. And that's where the knowledge comes in. Uh, but 
but that's what you see when you look at Jesus doing what he did in the temple. You see those three things together, right knowledge, a heart that's passionate. Um, and I think that's where I think I, I, I struggle so much with guys seeing just a lack of passion, a lack of fire. Um, and then it manifests itself in action. So all three of those things come together. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I talked about zeal for a long time before I ever thought about this, but the truth is, I think another word for zeal would really just be the true understanding of love. I mean, if Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, love the Lord your God, your heart, your soul, your strength, that's zeal. Yeah. It's like out of my mind, my soul, my heart. And so zeal really is love for God. Yeah. And, and I love that verse, right? Because it says with all of your yeah. heart, your mind, your strength, right. right? I mean, and just, you know, if, if you're doing it with part of your heart, Right. You know, and you love the Lord, you know, a little bit. Right. Then I don't think you will see a person who has zeal. Right. Um, I think I think what you'll see is a person who, um, you know, can sit complacently by, um, you know, complains about what they see that doesn't match up. Um, but that movement to action, I love how, you, you know, you placed it in knowledge. Right. And then passion. Um, and, and once you really have an understanding um, of who God is, uh, who we are in comparison to God. Um, and then you see that passion of saying, hey, listen, my job is to bring forth in this world um, the best picture yeah. uh, of, of, you know, an accurate picture of, of what God would do. Well, you know, there, there may be a, you know, a, you know, producing of the whips and cleaning out the table. That's great. But the other part of this is you see the same zeal that Jesus has when he goes out and he heals people. Yeah. Um, you see that passion, right, for the lost. Yeah. Um, evangelism, right, is zealous. Right. It's, you know, hey, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to you know, walk into a very uncomfortable and awkward situation where I'm going to share the Lord with somebody. I think it takes person, you know, it, it takes zeal to be able to do that, to say, hey, listen, um, you know, uh, I love you so much that I want to tell you the truth. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, let me let me tell you about the gospel. And I, I think, you know, all those things put together, um, you know, you know, the, the, the example you use, I think a lot of guys can resonate with was like, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go clean out the temple. And it's like, well, wait a second. When Jesus is cleaning out the temple, he's cleaning out his own house. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. you're not you're not talking about, hey, let's go protest, you know, the dark world doing dark things. Right. What Jesus got zealous about was when the house of the Lord, right, my house didn't represent, you know, my father well. And yeah. I think, you know, if we would be zealous about our own house first, as opposed to worrying about what the rest of the world is doing, right. And take, yeah. take a whip, take a whip to my own back, yeah. because that's, that's what I, the house that I've got to clean out is, you know, the house of Dan. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's where, you know, you really see that that's, that's where that knowledge, when I see my own sin, the passion of saying, Hey, I got to get rid of that. And the action to say, that's what it takes is, is zeal. Yeah, so I, lo I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of zealous guys out there who have zeal, just not for the right thing. And that's the yep. Romans 10, right? They have zeal, but not in accordance with knowledge. I mean, yep. we see that all over. Guys are zealous about all kinds of things. Uh, you mentioned the sports analogy, you know, but, um, you know, if going back to just the kind of the practical application of that, even thinking about all the things you said, but, you know, going back to our conversation a little bit on a guy in church, if, mm -hmm. if zeal and love for God are similar, and I think they really are, they may be mm -hmm. almost the same thing. You know, the question you could ask is, how much do your kids think you love God by how you act in church? 
Wow. Like, is there any passion for the things? Like, are you listening intently to what the pastor is saying? Are you engaging in that? Are you talking about it afterwards? Are you singing? Do you act like you want to be there? Or do you act like you'd rather be somebody else? Um, so I just think, you know, there's little things where you just need to, sh- you know, you know, manifest that I love God and God is important to me. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, a book that came out, I think it was Kyle Eidelman that had, you know, not a fan. Yeah. Um, and, and he was pushing back on the whole um, you know, that, that Christians don't need to be just fans of Jesus. They don't need to be sitting on the sidelines, you know, you know, giving the, the golf clap, like, yay, you know, go God, but <laughs> right. you need to actually be, you know, a participant. You need to be on a team. You're, you're part of the family of God. But I, I struggled with that when I was reading it. Cause I was like, you know what? The word fan comes from the word fanatic. Mm. Right. And I, and I was like, that, that is part of, I think what, a, what a Christian should be right. Is in a sense, fanatical about the things of God, right. right. That, that we do need to participate, right? Not, and, and you know, I got what he was saying is, you know, he doesn't want you just on the sidelines. He wants you engaged, right? right. Um, but, but when we are participating, when we're in the house of the Lord, right, we should have that fan mentality. Like, yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. Like, this is great. I mean, I'm listening, I'm learning, I'm engaging, I'm, I'm participating. Um, and I, I do, I do think it's a, it's a great comparison, right? Cause you know, I go to a, a very large church, which could be, you know, compared to, you know, a sports stadium. Mm. And, uh, and it's funny cause you know, on any given Sunday, um, you know, when we're sitting there in the morning, right. In a quiet, you know, austere kind of place, you know, as, as we're talking about the things of the Lord, right. A couple hours later, a few miles down, there's going to be a group of people sitting in a similar stadium, you know, cheering on you know, yeah. a sports team. Right. Sure. And I think, you know what, here's the deal. They're fans of a football team. That's great. But I, I want to be a fan of God. Right. Yeah. I want to be a fan yeah. of, you know, of my pastor and of the, you know, the opening up of the word of God. And I want to say, Hey, I want to have as much passion and energy for those things that I really know are important as, as everybody else in the world has for things, right. That they think are important too. Right. Well, and I'll tell you, um, some I think some guys in this conversation might say, well, that's just not me. I mean, you know, yeah. they don't know me, but they can probably tell by the way I talk that I'm excitable and fired up and all that kind of things, right? So, <laughs> but, and if you're seeing me a little red faced, but um, they say, well, that's just not me. I'm just not that kind of guy. But the answer to that, I mean, if you look at the Revelation 3, 14 through 21 and the church in Laodicea, mm. the problem with that church was they didn't have zeal. Yeah. And, and the reason we know that is because in Revelation 3, 17, after he says, you're not hot, you're not cold, I would like to spew it out of my mouth, his response to them is, be zealous and repent. Yep. So what Revelation 3 tells us is that God hates lack of zeal. Like yeah. that lack of fervency and enthusiasm is something God hates. Um, I was really confronted a few years ago, I was studying that Revelation 3 passage, and um, I read, John Stott said this, he goes, Perhaps none of the seven letters is more appropriate to the church at the beginning of the 21st century than this one. Mm. It describes vividly the respectable, nominal, rather sentimental, skin-deep religiosity, which is so widespread among us today. Our Christianity is flabby and anemic. We appear to have taken a a lukewarm bath of religion. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And here's the thing. Yeah. And when our kids watch us, they don't want it, no. right? And when the and when, when the rest of the world watches us, they don't want it. And yeah. so we we have you know the truth, right? We have the truth of the gospel. We have the greatest story ever told, and yet we're we're putting it in a vessel um, that because we don't have zeal, um, it is not 
taking to the world, right, that message, which we have been so graciously given, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think about the nation of Israel, when you look through the Old Testament, um, and, and, you know, they were, they were so easily distracted. They had zeal. They just often had zeal for the wrong things. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the thing is when, you, you know, when I, when I meet a guy, uh, like you said, it's like, oh, you just don't know me. That's not me. Right. Well, I'll find something you're zealous about, though. That's exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, there's always something that gets something you fired that, up. There's something that gets you fired up. There's something you're passionate about, right? If we're not talking sports, we're talking politics. If we're not talking politics, we're talking, right? right? I don't care what it is. We'll, we'll get something that gets you passionate, yeah. right? But so where does the spiritual life um, fall in those things? And I think all you're doing is challenging men to say, hey, listen, um, you know, you should probably have as much zeal and passion for something as important as your spiritual life, as important as a relationship with God, as you do with anything else. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, a do you great time for a real quick story. Yes, love it. Okay, so uh, 2013, July 11th, actually, my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So we, mm. at that point, we had four uh, four daughters. We have a, a son now after that, but my youngest daughter was one. Uh, it was one of those just gut wrenching. Mm. So at that point, we had no idea if she was going to make it. She had 600 hours of chemo. 26 rounds of radiation, three spinal taps to get chemo to her brain and a major wow. surgery. Oh, so she made it. We're 10 years out. We're great. Everything's fine. But right after she was diagnosed, um, the house was just so heavy. Yeah. Like it was just heavy in the house. You know, my kids didn't know how to respond. I was struggling. I remember multiple times going to the bathroom, closing the door and just losing it because I couldn't yep. didn't like I should do it in front of the kids, all that. Yep. So, but the Lord taught me a lesson in that. Um, and maybe this can be another one of the uh, things that guys remember from this conversation, like the one we talked about at the beginning. Here it is. The Lord taught me that men set the temperature in the home. Yeah. That the temperature of a home is set by the temperature of a man's heart. Mm. So a man's heart, the temperature of a man's heart sets the temperature of a man's home. What I realized in that moment is, okay, the way my house is going to feel is going to be determined by how I choose for it to feel. Yeah. And it's funny, I went out and got some speakers and we started praying, playing praise music and we danced and we, you know, we just changed the atmosphere. Yeah. And I, I think I see this a lot. You know, a guy comes home, if a guy comes home and he's grumpy and he's irritable and he doesn't like himself and he's defeated, well, that, you know, that changes the temperature of the home yep. in a minute. So what I'm saying to guys is, listen, the reason zeal matters is because the temperature of your heart determines the temperature of your home. So yeah. pursue this zeal, pray for it, seek it through the word of God, like repent of not having it and make sure the temperature of your heart is the kind of temperature you want to be in the heart of your home. Mm, that's such a good word. Such a, such an important reminder, right? Because that is our calling as men. And I, I know our heart's desire, um, you know, is to have our homes um, as successful Right, if not more successful right. than our workplaces, mm. um, and you know, and and guys know when they go into the workplace, right? If they don't have the right attitude, um, if they don't have the right, you know, passion and desire, right? They're not going to be successful. Um, but yet we go home, right? And we we simply don't put that same mindset into the spiritual development of our own lives or of leading our families. And I think you, you know the challenge that you're giving to guys is, um, hey, the the word of God. Um, gives you some practical tools and some practical things that you need to really wrestle with. And as, as a man uh, who's out there in the world, um, you know, zeal is going to be one of those things where you've got to look at and say, uh, where is my passion? Right. And, 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 you know, what are the things that really get me? Uh, and if my spiritual life is not at the top of that list, it needs to be. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, that's just that, such 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 a great reminder. So, yeah. Josh, I hope uh, I hope some guys have been challenged, encouraged. Um, I hope they'll get your book, right? The Titus Ten, right? Foundations for Godly Manhood. Uh, there's some great great stuff in there, and I, I just appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a few of those with our guys. Well, thanks, Dan. I love doing this. And I just a word I I noticed actually it's already on Amazon, which is funny because I just turned it in. But they're taking the Titus Ten book and turn it into a ten week curriculum with, no de- with five devotions for every week based on the topics. So I just finished that content. I just turned it in. It'll be out, um, I think, April of twenty twenty four. Uh, so it's not just four or five months, six months from now, I guess, whatever it'll be out and, uh, love for guys to be able to get that and kind of watch Man, it well, together. So, Hey, keep up yeah. the great work. And, uh, I, I love, um, as you said, I, I know guys can't see us, um, but I, I love watching you in an interview because you really <laughs> do get excited and passionate about this. And that's, it's just such a, it's such a great thing to see and to hear. Well, thanks dad. I love this stuff. And thanks for letting me, uh, talk with you again about it. Oh, awesome. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks. <laughs> thanks Josh. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.